0: Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Faiting and taking on all the plates to pay control. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Sucsonize so, and and make them fold. Over three years ago, in January of 2018, we had a podcast in which uh, we talked about various ways to deal with disinformation online, including uh, talking about this idea that social media companies might want to consider setting up an independent review board, a kind of social media court to review certain content moderation decisions Uh, at the time. Uh, This was sort of a fanciful idea, and I noted that there were some possible benefits of such a system, but also a whole bunch of potential downsides. Uh, It was just 11 months later that Facebook actually announced a plan to do kind of exactly what we had discussed, though I don't think it was because of my podcast. Uh, (laughs) It took uh, quite a bit of time, but in 2019, they finally announced the specific plans, and in 2020, actually put together what they are calling the Oversight Board, uh, which is designed to be an independent entity with some very high-profile members who can review certain moderation decisions, which Facebook has promised to abide by. Uh, and the board can also make some policy recommendations, which Facebook has only agreed to consider, not necessarily have to abide by. Uh, I've said from the beginning, uh, since Facebook announced this, that I, I think it's a, a useful experiment, while still sticking to what I had said years ago about the potential downsides of such a system. However, uh, many, many, many people <laughs> seem to have a visceral hatred for the entire concept and the idea, uh, which I think may just be sort of a transparent. Uh, visceral hatred of Facebook itself. Either way, uh, the Oversight Board took its first set of cases late last year and recently released its first decisions, uh, overturning four Facebook content moderation decisions and confirming just one. Uh, a lot of people, I think, have had sort of knee-jerk reactions to all of this, uh, but one person who had a very thoughtful analysis was Evelyn Duick from Harvard Law, uh, who studies global regulation of online speech and private content moderation, institutional design. So for today's podcast, we have Evelyn on to talk about these initial rulings and about the oversight board itself. So Evelyn, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So, uh, before we get into some of the specific nuances of these decisions, I wanted to start with just a more general question of of whether or not you were surprised by these initial rulings.
1: You know, not really. I don't (laughs) think so. I mean, I think actually uh, it was, I mean, I was uh, pleasantly surprised with how much they looked like, what I would hope that they would look like. You know, they were fairly rigorous and well-explained decisions. Um, and, you know, they, they struck out as fairly independent. But there was nothing that, that shocked me, no. Did,
0: um, you know, one of the questions is th- that has sort of been sticking in the back of my mind was, like, do you think that the Oversight Board picked these cases to start with on purpose, like, to, to demonstrate exactly that?
1: the idea that it wanted to overturn four and say, we are not some Facebook lackey. You know, I'm sure that, (laughs) you know, I'm sure that tactics are definitely a play here in pretty much every decision that the board is making. So I would not be surprised if that was somewhere in the background.
0: Yeah, I I mean, partly that, but the other thing also was like, Picking cases where they could dive deep on the nuance because, you know, a lot of these decisions did involve, you know, sort of a deep analysis and and sort of thoughtful weighing of of a bunch of different concepts. Um, And so, you know, part of me was wondering, it's like, you know, rather than picking the obvious cases, go for ones that that will require that much more thoughtful analysis?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think in some ways they were the obvious cases. Like when they first came out, the first five or six that were announced, I felt like they were the greatest hits of Facebook content (laughs) moderation controversies. You know, you had hate speech, hate speech, Nazis, breasts, more hate speech, and COVID-19 misinformation, right? Like those are the things that are dominating the headlines when we talk about Facebook content moderation. So in that sense, um, they were, I think, The obvious choices. And I think one of the things that maybe this is something that did surprise me about the cases is that even for the obvious decisions, the board was sort of asserting its power to Mm. beyond the obvious answer, yes or no, take down, leave up. It was saying, no, we want to interrogate far more than that and be far more nuanced and far more far reaching in what we're going to look at here.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's an important point. So let's, let's focus in a little bit on that. Um, you know, with a lot of the decisions, they also did put in, you know, recommendations and, and, you know, a deeper analysis of criticizing how Facebook does things, right? Um, so do we want to, I'm trying to think like, w- 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 one of the good examples on that. Um,
1: I mean, the breast, yeah, uh, the breast pictures are, are definitely the, the the clearest example here, right? So, this was a case where um, there were pictures of female nipples, which are famously uh, against the rules, um, but there is an exception in the rule for you know, raising awareness about breast cancer. And this was a decision that was pretty clear-cut because it was a user posting something in the middle of um, Pink October in Brazil, clearly designed to erase, raise awareness about symptoms of breast cancer. It was pretty open and shut, so much so that once the board picked up the decision, Facebook actually said, oh no you're right we made a mistake here Uh, we will reinstate the content Um, and it tried to take the decision away from the board at that point Um, but the board said no 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 you can't the only reason you know about this mistake is because we took it up and we're going to hold on to this case and it's really clear there you know it didn't just say no you're right this was a mistake reinstate the content it went much further and it you know made two quite far reaching recommendations around like um, harmonizing the rules between Instagram and Facebook and the way in which Facebook uses automated moderation, which I think are, are just showing that it's it's not just going to stick to the outcomes of decisions, but it's also going to look at the systems behind those decisions and, and, and what led to them.
0: Yeah. And, and, and one interesting element in there, which you, you sort of mentioned, but I think is also worth exploring, was the fact that Facebook effectively tried to moot the the right. this decision entirely and say well oh yeah we we recognize we made a mistake and we put this content back up and therefore you the board should not even consider this anymore um, and and the board kind of said you know no this is not. Like a, a regular court in which you can just say this issue is now moot, uh, and and then continue to look at it, and 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 that by itself is a really interesting setup of the oversight board, you know, asserting its own power and and jurisdiction. I guess.
1: Yeah, it's so fascinating, right? It's it's developing a mootness jurisprudence, yeah. which is uh, I, that's not something I expected to see, and certainly not so early, um, but. It, it, it does make a lot of sense and you know it this isn't a regular court and I think that's right. important to keep saying and keep emphasizing this is not uh, a regular court it's not applying any law um, as we know it and it's it's making it up as it go, goes along and so the idea that you know courts won't decide something where there's no case or controversy because it's not a live issue anymore um, doesn't apply in this case and the the court uh, the oversight board was saying we are seized of this case the moment we pick it up and you can't take it away from us and I think that's actually it makes a lot of sense in context right otherwise facebook could avoid the board saying anything meaningful that sort of um had far-reaching consequences by just reversing its decision the moment the board took up a decision and 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 getting out the back door in that way
0: yeah and and you know i think just the the related point there is is important to explore as well which is this this fact that it's not a court and yet you know there's a whole bunch of really interesting things that i'm I'm not sure how to mentally square in my own head, right in in that it's not a court, but it uses a lot of court terminology, and it acts like a court in some cases, but not in others. um and there's this part of me that says, like, you know, in the same sense that like you know private arbitration has, you know, rules that people agree to abide by, and then it effectively becomes like a court, this feels in the same way where as long as Facebook admits that the oversight board is legit and that it, you know, is bound by its decisions, then, you know, it, it has this sort of quasi-court-like aspect to it. Uh, and, and and I'm not quite sure where to mentally place that.
1: <laughs> no, totally. I mean, it's really difficult to characterize this thing. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why there's some controversy about it, right? Yeah. Um, there's like, you know, the idea that we're even using the word court to discuss this yeah. thing, which <laughs> was set up by Facebook, paid by Facebook, the initial members were picked by Facebook, uh, has no sort of legal power beyond what Facebook gives it. Uh, there's a There's a good argument to say that we are sort of bestowing it with some aura of legitimacy that it doesn't truly deserve, but on the other hand, you know institutions build up legitimacy and mm-hmm. meaning over time, um, and you know I, I fully accept that there's a definite prospect that this thing could f- totally fizzle and be absolutely nothing. But there is, you know, a prospect where if we sort of develop norms and, and things around the idea that Facebook will actually do what it says and put its money where its mouth is I- I- with this institution, um, that it's rulings for want of a better word could have dramatic effects on public discourse. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it's worth talking about and watching for that reason.
0: Yeah, no. And, and I think that it's, it's so fascinating to me and, and, you know, it's been making me think more and more just about the nature of authority, <laughs> you know, and, and the fact that so much <laughs> of it is norms based and, and that, you know, if people respect the authority just based entirely on norms, it, it, really doesn't matter whether or not it has any like legal or, or other power, as long as everybody kind of respects it, you know, you, you really don't have a, a, you know, the the equivalent of a constitutional crisis until, until somebody tries to go against those norms. But, but.
1: Right. Like, uh, you, you know, you wouldn't have expected uh, Facebook to be the thing that raised great, you know, sort of philosophical jurisprudential questions uh, <laughs> at, at the moment, but it, but it really does in a way. And I think, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's interesting points here about like, what is law, but also, you know, is law as determinate as people seem to think it is? And, you know, the idea that all of this should be answered by law rather than, you know, through private institutions and infrastructure um, suggests sort of like a level of certainty around what law can and can't decide and and, Mm -hmm. and what it says that isn't necessarily warranted.
0: Yeah. So I think the other, um, you know, the, 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 breast cancer ads or whatever got a lot of attention the other one that got certainly a lot of attention was the Myanmar mm. uh, situation uh, do you want to describe kind of what what the deal was with that case
1: yeah so this is a this is a tricky case um, and if I had to pick one that I you know, substantively disagreed with. It would mm-hmm. probably be this one, although the COVID misinformation one was also interesting. Yeah. Um, so th- this was an image of Island Kurdi, um the 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 um refugee uh on the on the beach, uh the very, very famous image of the the Kurdish mm-hmm. child. Um and it had derogatory comments about Muslims uh in 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 the post um and about their sort of uh, mental faculties and some suggestion that the child would have grown up to be an Extremist, mm-hmm. um, and this is in the context of Myanmar, where um, you know that's that's it's important to take into account Facebook's historical role in yes. Myanmar, where it has been charged by the UN with uh, supercharging a genocide and facilitating um, you know the the persecution of the Rohingya Muslims there, um, and so you know you can very much understand, and the board is is cognizant of this in its in its reasoning that Facebook wanted to err on the side of caution um, in in making decisions there Uh, and it it took this, this post down and the, the board's decision, I think it, it, engages in this really sort of detailed interrogation of the post. It goes and finds its own translator that comes up with a translation of the words that are different to what Facebook's translator came up with. Um, it emphasizes that, yes, the post is derogatory and we know sort of the context, but if you look at sort of the, po- the the first sentence is particularly bad, but if you look at the post as a whole, you know, you could see this and that. And I just feel like it's a level of hair-splitting that just makes absolutely no <laughs> sense in the context of a content moderation generally where you know we're we're at, we're at massive scale which you know I don't need to tell you and and B <laughs> in the context of Myanmar where um, right. th- 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 this is a really I mean obviously the coup hadn't started yet but um, but it's a it's a hot situation with sort of a lot of civil strife and conflict
0: yeah and, and you know what struck me about it which is interesting you know one of the points that i try and raise a lot is is how important context is and to some extent right i mean the analysis here tried to take into greater you know tra- take into account greater context of like you know what the entire post was trying to say uh but but then took it out of the <laughs> the larger context of everything that was happening in myanmar and and, and so it was this weird sort of you know, choice of context, <laughs> you know, uh, idea that, you know, to, to, to justify putting it back. So I think I sort of, you know, I, I can see the reasoning of why they came up with it. But I think you're right that it was sort of hair splitting or sort of on technicalities uh, that they came to the conclusion that they came to.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things that's really interesting about it, you know, is I think, um, so the board has said, the board is, the, the law that it's applying, and I'm making quotation marks, which mm-hmm. the listeners can't see, but the law that it's applying is sort of three sets of norms. Uh, the Facebook's community standards, um, Facebook's values, um, you right. know, such a such an sort of auspicious set of rules <laughs> that we should all, uh, you know, bow down at the altar before, um, and then international human rights norms. And I've had a sort of, a couple of conversations in the days since the board decisions came out. It's like, I thought these were human rights y people. What are they doing <laughs> upholding this, you know, hate speech in Myanmar? Like, we accept that the First Amendment protects hate speech, but I thought, you know, human rights was all wishy washy and, and didn't protect this kind of stuff. Um and it's really clear in these decisions that's that's not the case. And I think it's good that Americans should learn a bit more about like international human rights law is also very strongly protective of speech. Yes, it's not as strong as you know the exceptional First Amendment, but it does prioritise the importance of freedom of expression, and you can very much see in these decisions that the board is saying, you know, that the status quo is that speech is protected, and if you want to not, if you want to take speech down, you have to justify that uh, with a level of rigor and strength um, that that Facebook hadn't met the bar in this case, and uh, which I think is kind of a a reasonable default position, but. Mm when you start talking about again applying this at scale and operationalizing it that's where it starts to run into some problems i think
0: yeah and and you know especially given you know Myanmar is always the the first case that everybody brings up when they talk about sort of the failures of, of facebook moderation um and so you know I, I just i i kind of i don't know i mean i wonder how facebook Deals with this going forward, sort of recognizing the board's decision in this case, uh, and how it handles content there, because now it's it's sort of getting pushback in in both directions to some extent. Um,
1: uh... Yeah, I so I think one of the sort of key value offerings of the board as an institution is sort of the dialogue that it's going to create between. Mm. Facebook and the board. So I don't think the process for this, you know, hate speech in Myanmar has stopped now. You know, the board has issued its decision and this is what the situation is going to be. Now Facebook has 30 days to respond to the board's decision and its policy recommendations. I mean, it's already restored the post. um, But beyond that, it's sort of got some time to go away and think and come up with its response. And I think if, if both parties engage in that process in good faith, which, of course, there's no obligation to and, and no, uh, you know, that's not necessarily going to be the case. But at the same time, I have no reason to doubt why they wouldn't, given the expense and sort of time and effort that they've gone to setting this up. Um, if they engage in that dialogue in, in, in good faith, that can be a really sort of educative process um, and, and develop sort of the norms and understanding around that. So Facebook can come back and say, look. We see what you've said. Um, we understand the importance of freedom of expression and the need to justify our restrictions. Here's how we justify it. Or here's how we think that you have not taken into account adequately how we need to moderate in Myanmar, given all of the constraints that we have there. So, um, you know, it, it, the bindingness of the board's ruling, I think, is is, a, is an important part, but a small part of what I think this process can offer.
0: Right, right. Um... So let's talk a little bit about the COVID misinformation case too because that's the one that you said might be the other one that that you may have come down differently on.
1: Yeah, so this is a post um, from a French user um, that – Sort of was questioning the the France's version of the Food and Drug Administration's decision to not allow hydroxychloroquine. Sorry, that's always a mouthful. Um, <laughs> to 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 be available in in France, um, and this is you know in the context of Facebook having some very strong and robust misinformation rules related to the pandemic. Sort of, it was the first really big sort of set of rules around purely false information that Facebook mm-hmm. came came out and said, we're going to be just taking this stuff down, you know, not just flagging it, but taking it down. Uh, and it was working with the World Health Organization to develop these rules. And that was one of the, you know, myths around the, the use of hydroxychloroquine that um, that was coming down. Uh, and and the board said, no, because this, like, uh, you know, it said, a, it said a few things, but the, the central holding was like, because this is a criticism of government policy, It's really about political speech and not necessarily about uh, COVID misinformation, and in particular, the fact that this drug isn't available in France, so the imminence of the harm Mm -hmm. is not... You haven't met that very high standard. Uh, it, It needs to go back up. And, I mean... In the we are in the context of a global pandemic right like I, I think and, and you know maybe this means that Facebook needs to go away and say look we hear you but perhaps imminence of harm isn't the right standard that we should be evaluating uh, this this against. Maybe we need to have a more capacious sort of uh, view of what comes down in the context of, of a global pandemic. And it has already pushed back against this decision and said, you know, given the context, uh, we are not going to be uh, changing our, our broader approach here.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's interesting in that it, it again sort of demonstrates the the, the sort of you know impossible nature to to deal with some of these questions that that there aren't easy answers to any of this stuff um which right
1: and i mean the, the questioning government policy in the context of a pandemic is also extremely important, right? Yeah. Um, And, I mean, the famous example here is masks. For a very long time, the authorities and uh, government policies were saying that masks are harmful and that we we shouldn't use them. Uh, And public opinion and scientific evidence was completely outpacing those authorities. But Facebook had tied itself to that mask. And in particular public opinion on social media was really important in moving that line and getting people to wear masks early. Um, and so I, you know, <laughs> I don't particularly have, uh, I, you know, I don't cry myself to sleep at night for the predicament <laughs> that the platforms find themselves in, but it, but it is a hard call.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no absolutely. Um, So, of course, now that the everybody is focused on the fact that the oversight board has is going to review the the decision to suspend Trump Um, and. Everybody keeps asking me what I think they'll do and I'll just say I have no idea. <laughs> like I I could see them going in either direction. Uh, I don't know if you want to weigh in on, on on that. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I've been getting kind of sick of everybody asking me what do you think they're going to do when I have no idea. Whatsoever. Yeah, I
1: I also have no idea. I will say I think Mr. Trump's odds got a little bit better after the yeah. first set of decisions. I really think it is apparent in those decisions how highly the board prioritizes freedom of expression um but you know i can see plenty of versions of this timeline where they don't as well so you know who knows yeah
0: yeah i think i i think i forget what i exactly what i had written uh i, I think i answered somebody's questions where i sort of said like i had maybe shifted the you know i thought that it was probably and now i'm going to make up new numbers but i think i i said i thought it would it was like 75 to 80 percent likely that they would uphold it and now i'm down to 50 50 it's just become a coin toss to me yeah Um, so I, i have no idea um there there is an element of like i think a lot of people have you know I think, put too much weight on these first five decisions. <laughs> you know, I, I, I sort of wrote a thing where I was like, let's wait and see. Like, this is, this is, you know, the very definition of a small sample size and, and the very beginning of this process. And so, like, I have trouble, you know, getting too much out of just these first five decisions. Yeah, no, um,
1: completely. Um, I mean, sort of, I guess, t- t- two things in response to that. The first is, absolutely, it's a very, very small sample size. Second, and, you know, I sort of feel contractually obliged to mention this every time I I talk about the oversight board but um the sample is skewed at the moment right yeah. so the board's jurisdiction for want of a better word is um is is still way too limited and is, is, is skewed in one direction. So what do I mean by that? At the moment, the board can only review decisions where Facebook has taken down content right. um, and the user wants it put back up unless Facebook refers a, a decision to the board. But by and large, the, the vast majority of the sort of appeals that the board is looking at or potential cases are takedowns. And so naturally, it's going to, if it's reversing Facebook's decision, it's going to be about putting content back up. But once, the, and, and you know, Facebook has promised this, and I I hope we all sort of keep roasting them until they they come through, (laughs) Um, it will give the board the power to review decisions where Facebook has left content up um, and people think it should come down. And those are like the Myanmar cases or the Nancy Pelosi video or like tons of controversial content moderation decisions are in that category too. And so once it has that jurisdiction, we might see a lot more decisions of the board saying no, take this down. So I think at the moment you definitely can't sort of divine any sort of broader takeaways for, for what the board's going to do for its entire sort of life from, from this small, small set.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's true. And so I, I should, Ask you because I, I I remember when when this was first announced when the board was first announced um, and the setup was that they were only going to look at specific content decisions and I I, I remember hearing and maybe I'm mistaken that they weren't going to look at full account suspensions uh, initially but now they're they're doing the Trump one did I mishear that or was no, that a I change No, I mean so this
1: is um, so I I was one of the reasons why the question was whether Facebook would refer Trump's uh-huh. case to the Oversight Board is for exactly this reason, right? I so see. because if it had been a regular takedown of a piece of content, um, then it, you know, Mr. Trump could have gone to the Oversight Board's website and filled out his little <laughs> Google Doc appeal form uh, and the board could have considered whether to take the case. Um, but because it was a suspension of the entire account, uh, it was up to Facebook to refer it and this sort of just highlights how narrow the board's current jurisdiction is. Right, so right. the bylaws contemplate a potentially quite vast. Jurisdiction for for the board. It includes um, you know leave ups and takedowns, uh, uh, suspensions of groups, pages, accounts, um, and 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 a, and a number of other things. Uh, but at the moment, the only thing that it has power over is those suspensions of individual pieces of content. And I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's just like completely <laughs> inadequate to say that this institution can have any meaningful effect. On the entire operation of Facebook content moderation with such a, a narrow jurisdiction, but I think what the first five cases said uh, say is, well, the board's still going to try anyway. Like right. <laughs> you can try keep our hands tied behind our back, but we are we're going to fight as hard as we can to try and sort of um, you know force you to make more systemic changes, like for example, the use of AI in content moderation, even though you're only giving us this this tiny window.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and somewhat related to that, I mean, I sort of mentioned in the opening that, like, people have this sort of visceral hatred for the idea uh, of the oversight board, which I don't quite understand. Um, you know, even even if you think, like, the board is not going to be that effective, it it's, it strikes me, you know... <laughs> like i'm trying to figure out where i'm even going with this but like the the you know people were really upset that like facebook had the the ability to make these decisions and then so it tries to set up something of an independent board to to review its decisions and uh, and and to me that's interesting because it's sort of one of the first examples we have of, of a company you know uh giving up and handing over that responsibility to someone else. Um, And I don't think it was ever intended to solve all content moderation issues because nothing can solve all content moderation issues. But do you have any any understanding like why people are so like viscerally against this oversight board?
1: So, I mean, I think there's – First, something about these issues and this space in general, mm-hmm. where people feel very strongly about the, <laughs> the things that they feel, uh, which is which is, I think, speaks to the importance of these these problems. So, uh, you know, that that that's sure. good in a way. Um, I think I think you're right. There's sort of this tension between the idea that. Ah, uh, Mark has too much power, and and we don't we don't like that situation. And ah, uh, Mark's trying to sort of create a scapegoat for the power he's exercising, right? Like, I, and both of them them are they're, they're partly true. Right. I think um the strongest version of the argument, and I, I do think there is some merit to this, is um you know the oversight board is a sort of in a way a fundamentally like a PR campaign and mm-hmm. by paying attention to it and legitimising it we are buying into this world that Facebook wants to create where it's a good actor purely good mm. actor and it is concerned about our interests and not its own interests and we are sucking the oxygen out of the debates uh, around sort of systemic reform and the other levers that we need to pull to um, to, to fix you know fix Facebook Right. and I, I think you know my response to that is first I don't know a single person that's Says the oversight board is it like right. the, the oversight board is the the extent of the uh, reforms that we need in this space and forget about like important reporting about what's going on inside these companies forget about regulation forget about an- potential antitrust action you know we have this oversight board and we're, we're set thank you so I mean I don't know anyone making that argument and second I don't know any lawmaker um, b- you know being adequately distracted by the oversight board that is right. not considering uh, considering regulation and I just I, you know I I don't find the argument that ignoring it is um is the most constructive approach here. And I, I guess that just depends on your theory of change. Um mm-hmm. but I think that there is space for both sort of harm minimization within the structures that we currently have as well as potential systemic reform. Um and I think that there is a role like for a very small subset of the problems that we have in content moderation, which is that, you know, Mark decides is a crappy model for online speech (laughs) regulation, um, that we have no transparency or accountability into many of the reasons why these decisions get made. And also that, you know, fundamentally content moderation is way too responsive to just public pressure and a very small slice of western media and potentially the board will have be a mechanism for which people that are underserved by that focus can bring cases and get way more attention for their plight um for those kinds of problems i think the board has real promise and that's why i would like to keep sort of tracking this project to try and hold both of those parties to account to see if we can try and fulfill that promise and like i said pretend like i'm fully prepared that it might epically fail um right. but but either way i think it's interesting
0: yeah yeah i think i think i'm i'm very much aligned with you on that you know i i there's all sorts of reasons why you know i i don't think this will really work or do very much in the long run uh but i still think it's a really fascinating experiment and it's worth seeing what happens um
1: And and when it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, Mm -hmm. we can learn something from it, right? Like, why didn't it work? And so what kind of institutions do we need to to build in the future to fix whatever deficits this one had?
0: Yeah. Do do you have any sense of of whether or not you think other companies will will follow this kind of approach, whether or not it might even be, like, contracting with the oversight board or setting up their own kind of oversight boards?
1: Yeah, right. So, I mean, this is... um, you know, one of the, the people find it very creepy that it's called the Oversight Board and yes. not like the Facebook Oversight Board. And if you go to its uh, website, it's all about the Oversight Board, and it doesn't have a lot of the Facebook branding and, and things like that. And that's because it was consciously set up uh, for the possibility that in future other platforms could join it. Um, right. And you know, it's it's an independent entity, and and that's a possible future. And of course, you know, I'm sure that other platforms are are watching this closely. It was. Um, in the aftermath of the, the great deplatforming um on Twitter, Alexei Navalny made the case that Twitter needs, you know, a committee right. with, like, named members and transparent reasoning to be trying to make these kinds of decisions, not just Jack making the decisions on the basis of business imperatives. And it's like, well, Facebook has one of those. Um, so, you know, I, I'm sure that the other platforms are, are watching to see if it works. I have absolutely no sense of whether they, you know... Um, uh, think it's a good idea or, or, or a potential <laughs> future option um i i have to say i personally am not excited about the idea of um the the oversight board becoming some sort of like grand tribunal yeah. of online speech um that bestows upon us the the rules for the entire internet um yeah. but uh, but you know <laughs> cra- yeah. crazier things have happened in this space so
0: yeah well i mean that gets to a lot of the other work that you've done too right i mean in terms of like you know, there is this push in a lot of different directions and a lot of different spaces to have like rules that every platform must follow. Um, and, and I personally worry about that because, you know, experimentation and different approaches is, is part of what I think is the value of the internet. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you know.
1: Again, there's this real tension in what people want, right? right. And I don't think we have an, a good answer to this yet. We sort of have this idea that we need some ground rules and some sort of baseline standards for what is and is not okay online, and to the extent that platforms collaborating can help you know, more effectively enforce those baseline standards, that's a good thing. And we have seen some success of that. I mean, the, the most notable success is in, in the context of child sexual abuse material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the model expanded to terrorist and extremist content where I think the, the, the results are more questionable. But this right. is sort of a space where the bigger platforms in particular help the smaller platforms uh, with the use of technology and resources to moderate their platforms in a way that they couldn't. By themselves. And you know, there there is a theory on which this is a great idea and we should extend that to sort of a bunch of other contexts like foreign interference on social media and hate speech and things so that we don't have, you know, these tiny little startups or, you know, the pelotons of the world that suddenly have a QAnon problem <laughs> uh, having to deal with that themselves. But exactly as you say, on the other hand, like Diversity is something that we really value, not just on the internet, but in terms of speech. Like we right. really like the idea that people can say different things in different contexts, and that it's important to have somewhere, somehow, a marketplace for different diversity of viewpoints. And the idea that we sort of have entirely homogenous rules uh, is scary. So, but I, I don't think anyone has uh, has found a, a way of, of reconciling those two views yet.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, also like in in the case of of child sexual abuse material, right? I mean, that is there's strict liability there. And it's pretty clear, usually when that content is is illegal. Uh, Whereas a lot of the other areas that people are upset about. Uh, the lines are not nearly as clear, and, and that makes it a lot tougher to have sort of rules that are enforced or across the board, um, you know, because even even in some cases with other kinds of content, um, you know, the same content in some context may violate certain rules and in other contexts might not. Yeah, uh, completely. You know, and
1: it, that's that's it's totally the case that um, the error rates are just much lower in the yeah. context of child sexual abuse material, and the the errors are ones that we you know maybe don't care as much about, and then like the context thing in particular is really important. Like, it's never okay to have right. that stuff in any context. Like, you don't right. want it in a news report. <laughs> uh, you don't want it uh, in the context of, right. of like a, a documentary. It's just <laughs> that's There's not okay. Nothing. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, uh, even with terrorist and extremist content, that question gets a lot more difficult. Like, yep. you do want to be able to draw attention to this. You do want to, um, you know, uh, have sort of uh, c- counter-extremist materials, which a lot yep. of the time get get swept up in this. You do want to have uh, documentary evidence of war crimes. Yep. And all of those borderline cases getting swept up in the error rates uh, is much more concerning.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny we were talking about like you know whether or not other companies would would do this kind of thing. We did um, back in November. Um, we we had run this sort of game session, <laughs> uh, this a scenario planning session. Where we were looking at like future futuristic headlines, and one of the headlines that we had was that uh Facebook was ditching the oversight board for i forget exactly what what it was called, but it had there was a a competing oversight board <laughs> that that was like set up by i forget who we had i think it was like discord and parlor <laughs> had set up a competing oversight board and facebook was- sw- switching its allegiance to it and so like you could you could imagine a a world in which you know there are sort of uh competing judicial bodies and I don't even, I oh, even say judicial bodies but <laughs>
1: completely I mean um, in the in the wake uh, a couple of months ago I don't know that time time is meaningless now but a yes. little while ago TikTok had a problem with a suicide video that went Extremely viral across its platform, um, and in the wake of that, it sort of put out this press release or floated the idea of platforms collaborating more around that kind of mm-hmm. uh, that kind of content and sort of you know dra- drawing rules and, and lines around what should or should not be allowed. And you know you can just imagine this world where it's like, are you in the TikTok content right. ecosystem or are you in the Facebook content <laughs> ecosystem? You know, it's like uh, what what set of rules uh, do you do you uh, do you live under?
0: Right, right, yeah, it's kind of kind of fascinating and could lead to some really interesting sort of future scenarios oh gosh (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean it's the whole thing is is fascinating to me i mean i i again just sort of like you know watching it from from a complete outsider perspective I, i it's it's such an interesting experiment and it's so different um and i'm just kind of curious like how it plays out but i i'm like not necessarily rooting for like one one way or the other because uh, I, I, you know, I always come back to like, there is no good answer. <laughs> no, I mean, these
1: are really these are really kind of, you know, impossible problems and there's trade-offs in every direction, right? And um, I think one of the things we have to do is, like, experiment and learn. Um, And I think that we, I I don't think you can prejudge the outcome of this experiment until we sort of see, have more data um, for for one of of a better word. Um, But, uh, I mean, I think uh, we are I feel like we're at the moment now where we're finally gonna have some of that data, right? Like the the, the the release of the first decisions, for me, it's we are now at the interesting point where yeah. the, the, the key um factor in whether this works or not is how facebook responds right like right. does it actually take this seriously and does it actually engage with what the board is saying or does it sort of just get its get its decisions and go noted thanks and sort of move on <laughs> um and so like i feel like now we are we are we are obviously sort of at that point where we will have more information about that and of course um the the Trump decision is going to, I think, really sort of uh, be very consequential for how people view this institution and sort of the power that it has both uh, over Facebook, but also in the public imagination. Um, And, you know, I think... One of the things that's important to emphasise about that decision as well, I think it would be a mistake to focus on purely the outcome of the case again in, mm-hmm. in terms of the individual account. Um, like we saw with the with the first five decisions, that is an important part, uh, and I guess in this case a particularly important part of the uh, of the outcome. But I think you know this this is also potentially a decision that could have quite more far-reaching consequences for content moderation and for political speech on Facebook, uh, far beyond that individual case. And so, um, yeah, no, it's, it's one to watch, which I'm sure people will be.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Do, do you think that, um, is, is there any sense of, like, what the pace is going to be from here on out in terms of, like, how many cases are we expecting the Oversight Board to actually review and, and make rulings on?
1: Yeah, no, not not really. I mean, it's sort of it's already it's announced. Um, you know, it took up another case at the time of the uh, the Trump decision. Um, so I think you know at, at this sort of rate, we can see maybe a couple of dozen decisions a year. It, I mean, it's also uh, it, it currently has twenty members, and mm-hmm. the sort of uh, the the. Uh, plan is for it to have 40 and obviously once it doubles its workforce it you know potentially can double its output um, but you know fundamentally it's not going to be releasing that many decisions uh, across a platform that is you know making right. millions of decisions a week about content and so the only way that it's going to have a meaningful impact is if it can really sort of push for, for structural reform
0: right and and the the various board members they're not full-time are they
1: no, I mean this is this is one of the, I think one of the most. I mean, there are there are a bunch of really disappointing things in the way that this was set up, and <laughs> I, I want to re-emphasize the limited jurisdiction of the board. But um, one of the other ones is like Facebook sort of estimated that these board members would be spending 15 hours a month on uh-huh. their uh, on their duties, which is just ludicrous. Um, but you know they're all sort of part time, uh, well, s- severely part time, and uh, you know this is one of those aspects where. <laughs> People are sort of like, oh, the board is doing so many things that a court shouldn't do. And it's like, yeah, but it's doing so many things that a court shouldn't do. Um, And and one of them is like, a lot of these people have very high profile jobs uh, doing a bunch of other things, like really political things. They have substantive political positions on a a bunch of matters, which we wouldn't um, think... Uh, like we wouldn't really accept of, of judges and they made, right. you know, they discuss the activities of the oversight board in a way that we sort of wouldn't have those norms um, and I think that that's an it, it raises interesting issues about the extent of like institutional allegiance of these people to the board where mm-hmm. it's not actually like their primary job. Um, it 's not their primary identity, and so when push comes to shove, how much are they going to really prioritize uh, their allegiance to the board and the board 's legitimacy as an institution versus their own uh, personal brand for one of a better word
0: yeah yeah no it's that's that 's a really good point that i don 't think has gotten that much attention either so um, well uh thank you very much for for taking the time i know you've you 've you know, been following this more closely than than just about anyone, and and uh, I really appreciate your thinking and your analysis on all this. Uh, and I, I it's
1: <laughs> thanks, Mike. I'm glad someone does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's been very helpful for me, so <laughs> so, so, so I, I appreciate it. Uh, and and uh, you know, uh, for folks who haven't, you should definitely you know follow Evelyn. And um, most of your writing on, on this is on Lawfare, right? That... uh
1: on the board in particular yeah
0: yeah um and so it, it's worth checking that out um and and thank you for for taking the time to to talk about with us and and to help me think through this as well because i'm still sort of you know trying to come to to an understanding of all this also so yeah no uh...
1: well me too so uh, thanks for having <laughs> me it was really good fun
0: cool and thanks everyone for listening we'll be back next week if we don't someone Stand up to them, someone who got hurt So grab a shovel and dig up the trash